basically what I usually do is invite questions about meditation, about practice, and uh, try to help people out uh, in whatever way I can with the uh, with whatever uh, problems or challenges they might be having with their practice at this time. And then we sit together for 45 minutes. Following that, we have a break, and then we have a uh, a Dharma discussion, which over the last series of weeks, uh, I've been sort of developing on a theme, uh, basically based on the first sutras that were uh, taught by the Buddha, the, the first actual teachings that he gave, which uh, are really the the uh, uh, Basis, the, the, the groundwork uh, uh, of all of his subsequent teachings, which were essentially elaborations of those. And so that's what I'll be doing later this evening. So, but of course, with new people, I don't know what kind of meditation you do, or how long you've been practicing, or uh, things like that. So, uh, let me just uh, in- invite newcomers to both uh, uh, ask any questions or, uh, and, and also just uh, say a little bit about what your background is and what kind of practice you do. So, who would like to begin? Yes? I'm a neophyte and I've been trying to meditate I've been getting some pretty, pretty good things with that. I had a dramatic life-changing experience about four years ago when I met Nancy Franklin. And I have a problem getting too upset and I lost my sister. So I'm trying to relax. Okay, so when you say you're a neophyte, but you have been doing a meditation practice? Only on my own. On your own. Group. Only on your own. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what kind of, how do you meditate? What do you do? So I do, I uh, try to relax, follow my breathing, go through a count of four in and four out. Mm-hmm. And just pay attention to that and try to let the thoughts melt. And you're finding that's helping to produce some state of relaxation? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, alright. That's, that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm glad that it's working for you. And, uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot more opportunity to, to talk about different ways of, of practicing. There's many different ways of practicing. They all produce similar results, but sometimes, you know, in, in, a, in a different order. And uh, there's a lot of different effects and therefore uh, reasons that you can have for meditating. And then calming your mind and producing a state of relaxation is one of the effects of meditation and it's a very legitimate reason for people to take up the practice. But there's much more to it than that as well. Did you have any specific questions at this point, or 
We just we we'll just like the discussion. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yes. So, anyone else? Uh, so? Yes. Um, this is the first time I've come here for invitation with my body. Um, I've been practicing uh, since 1990. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to Greenbelt and Verdon Fisher, who has been my primary teacher. Where? Uh, where? Greenbelt. Yeah. 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 And that, there's a teacher there who I met, mm-hmm. and that's who uh, I consider my son there in San Francisco, even though I live there. And I sit with um, Zed as a child as well, but I'm always um, happy to have the opportunity to sit with anybody and to hear other teachers. So. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, glad that you were here. Uh, you mentioned Zen practice, and then uh, the other lady you mentioned during practice where she's actually counting for progress uh, and photograph uh, a more structured. And these uh, uh, these illustrate the range of ways that you can practice. You can the more structure that you introduce into your practice up to a certain point in the beginning, the easier it can be to to stay with it and not, you know, get carried away and lost in mind wandering. Um, but the other extreme is to sit down and do uh, like a Zen practice of just sitting where you you're not fixing your mind on any particular object. So uh, just these happen to illustrate how different approaches to meditation can be. <clears throat> Structured meditations are very conducive to relaxation and to calming your mind down because they will occupy your mind somewhat, at least in the beginning, until uh, they'll occupy your mind somewhat with just keeping keeping on top of the structure. Counting counting breaths, counting ten breaths and then counting down from ten or all kinds of different systems uh, can can help with just staying with a single object and helping to calm your mind and reduce the amount of other uh, mental activity is taking place. Uh, a practice like Zen is pretty much straightforwardly directed at we're, we're looking to get beyond the ordinary conceptual workings of the mind and uh, we're looking to have a profound insight into uh, some sort of uh, some sort of ultimate experience of the true nature of reality and uh, so it's, uh, it might say, more, more direct, but in some ways more difficult uh, way to proceed. The, uh, the meditation that I teach here is sort of between those two. Uh, the practice is very simple. You take the sensations of the, the sensations that are produced at the, uh, as the air comes into and out of the body at that vicinity of the nose, uh, could be, you know, inside the nose, could be your upper lip, could be, you know, the, 
it doesn't really matter that you find that place there where the sensations produced by the air are particularly clear. And that's your meditation object. And then, other than maybe counting ten breaths just at the beginning of the sit, uh, you just try to keep your awareness, not lose the awareness of those sensations of the breath. So, it's not quite as simple as that. It's not quite as complex as, as counting systems. But I would encourage you to try it if you uh, if, uh, if you're interested in continuing with it as a practice. You know, and uh, I'll, uh, there'll be a lot of opportunities for me to give you guidance in it. It's a very powerful and effective method for. Uh, for calming the mind, for developing concentration, for developing a very high level of awareness, and also for pursuing those highest goals of meditation, which are uh, awakening. So, anyone else have uh, yes? Uh, my name is Jonathan. Um, realized uh, a year or two ago that I've actually been meditating since, since I was a kid, really uh, thinking about it. So it's been part of my life pretty much up until now. Never um, really had any uh, focused meditation classes or a teacher. I um, was in Tai Chi for uh, a couple of years and I was doing meditations. And I, I've done uh, a lot of walking meditation. But never really instructed. And, and so you've never really had formal meditation instruction. So when you practice, what do you do? Um, depends on what the goal is. Uh, a lot of times, I'll, I'll focus on, um, especially in walking meditation, focus on uh, one thing that I need to work on in my life, and then uh, uh, just try and uh, raise my awareness of what uh, what needs to occur to uh, to change that aspect of my life. Um, in seated meditation, I um, I read a lot about the the Taoist masters. About which? Taoist. Oh, Taoist. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've done a lot of uh, uh, studying on Taoist uh, techniques um, for uh, for seated meditations and like meditation. Um, but other than that, it's just uh, just feeling my body, feeling what's going on in my mind. Um, if my mind needs to wander around something, I let it wander mm-hmm. until it will quiet itself down. Mm-hmm. Just allow it to do what it, it wants to do. Have you learned much about your mind by doing this? Oh, <laughs> tons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, in, in a sense, that's really what meditation is all about. You know, it's, it's learning to understand your mind. Yeah. And we're going to talk about learning to understand the true nature of reality. We have a direct experience of, of that ultimate nature. Um, it turns out that that's, that's all about getting to know your mind because the reality that you live in is actually uh, created by your mind. So, and then you, the more you come to understand your mind, the more you kind of realize how true that is. The reason that we can all be in the same situation and have totally different experiences, we're all living in our own reality. Each one of us. 
for a good road welcome and uh, I'll be really happy to provide you with uh, as much instruction as you're interested in having so I appreciate it good yes I was here once before, my name's Bobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've been meditating in probably since the mid 70s. Or sitting, I'm just sitting. I may still be waiting to meditate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I haven't kept following one path. I, the closest path, I guess, would be Sahaj. Which? Sahaj. Sahaj meditation. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is. Been more exploring the inner landscape. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, when I came last time, and I liked the instructions you gave, the only thing I wanted to eventually get some more instruction was sometimes if I'm focusing just on my breath, my breath seems to want to stop. Mm-hmm. It just gets so shallow, I wonder, let's <laughs> mm-hmm. go right on. Uh, although I usually go through that, either by spacing out or just by staying in the shallow breath, and it changes itself. So, I don't know what that makes me, but I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm glad that you're here tonight. Um, yes, when you sit down and become become quiet and restful, and when your mind becomes calm and focused, your breath will slow down. It will become very shallow, and it may become very, very difficult to detect. It doesn't actually stop. And as a matter of fact, uh, uh, you continue to breathe as much as you need to supply your body with oxygen and remove carbon dioxide. But it, because uh, the breath becomes so shallow, uh, it may be very, very difficult to detect those sensations. And uh, the ideal thing to do is to continue to to do your best to be aware of those sensations and actually uh, over time you will become more and more sensitive to even the most subtle sensations but uh, if uh, Sometimes at the beginning, it just seems like you can't find your breath anymore for a period of time. And what I usually suggest, that if that happens, if, if, if it happens to the extent that it becomes a problem, that you attend to the sensations that are produced by the breath somewhere else where they're more coarse and maybe more easily identified, like with the rising and falling of the abdomen, uh, or for some people it may be higher up uh, or in the lower part of the chest or something. But just, you know, uh, if, if, you, if the sensations of the breath become so subtle that you just are having no luck at all in locating them where the air enters and leaves of the nose, then go ahead and look for sensations that are produced by the breath that's very important. But then as, as it becomes easier to follow them even when the breath becomes very quiet, then see if you can't stay with them in the sense that even though you might not feel all of the sensations of every breath, that you continue to keep your awareness focused on, on, the, on the attempt to, uh, 
perceive those sensations. And what happens as a result of that, uh, your mind, with the power of your mind, in terms of its sensory capacity, is so much greater than what we normally experience that uh, the day will come where your breath is very, very shallow and very quiet, and yet your experience of those sensations is so is so uh, clear and vivid and acute that you know it's it's, it's quite amazing, almost painful. It's so it's so clear, and that's one of the things that we want to develop is the capacity of our mind to a very high level of conscious awareness. And the way I use those terms, uh, it says, and, and, and this is somewhat my own way of using them. We have the word consciousness, we have the word awareness, and we have, all have kind of an idea about these things. But I make a distinction and say that awareness is the registration of some experience on your nervous system and on your mind, but it may be at an unconscious level or it may be at a very weakly conscious level. Unconscious, subconscious, or very weakly conscious, faintly conscious, but it's still awareness. So I'm using the word conscious and consciousness to refer to the, how strong our subjective experience of that is, how vivid if we whether it's a sensation that we're observing or anything else, it's how uh, intensely and vividly and clearly aware we are of it. That's conscious awareness, you know. And so, so awareness has all these different grades, and the the degree of consciousness that we bring to our awareness in most of our activities is not very great compared to what we are capable of. And one of the things that we cultivate in our meditation is the power of our conscious awareness, called by some people mindfulness. Some people might call it mindfulness or mindful awareness. But it's that power of consciousness that we bring to our experience and how fully conscious we are of it. And as I say, what we're capable of is much, much more than what most of us, most of the time, experience. And so one of the ways that we develop that in meditation is by practicing being particularly clearly aware of the sensations of the breath. And as the breath becomes finer and uh, it, it forces this power of mindful awareness to increase proportionately in order to continue to be able to follow the breath. So that what your meditation experience and others of you will have it as well. When the breath becomes very, very fine, it's actually that that's a beneficial aid to developing this power of mindful awareness. So use it in that way. But if the breath disappears entirely for a while, go look for it someplace where it's more easy to find. You know. uh, Like Mullen Azrudin was looking all over on the sidewalk, and his friend comes up and says, What are you doing, Mullen? And he said, I'm looking for my key. I dropped it. Oh, and so they both look and I'm not finding anything. And the friend says, Well, where did you drop it? Oh, down there. But it's too dark down there, so I'm looking for it. <laughs> <laughs>
Anyone else like to uh, yes? Uh, I've been meditating um, on and off since the 70s. I started out uh, meditating to a mantra. I was an Indian guru mm-hmm. for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I fell away from that and I meditated all for a while and um, began being drawn to uh, wanting to meditate again, but somehow in a different way. I wasn't sure how. And gradually I began reading about Buddhism and studying, and then I began meditating again. And then I read a, a book by, um, I think his name is Koshi Uchiyama, called Opening the Hand of Thought, which uh, he, he was a Zen priest in Japan. And it influenced me greatly, and I began meditating on an ongoing basis. And been looking for a place to meditate with other people. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to be here to find that place. Oh, welcome. It's good to have you here. And, and so, what kind of meditation are you doing these days? I would say pretty much what you're talking about, On because the that's what Uchiyama yes. described in detail, step by step. The sensations of the day. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Okay. And you should, I, you'll find, I'm sure you found already, that it, it's very similar to meditating on mantra and, and a lot of the skill you develop from that is applicable. It is similar. But it has a difference that uh, what you don't generate the object, it, it, is, it occurs spontaneously. And it's constantly changing in subtle ways, and it has great subtlety of detail that you can exercise your mind um, by trying to be aware of, of that subtlety of detail and the way that it changes over time. So, good, welcome, Mr. Kennedy. Anyone else? Yes. Um, yeah, my name is Hugh. I'm uh, I've been meditating since uh, the late 60s. Right? Uh, I started the San Francisco Zen Center. It's nice to see sort of moving. <laughs> and uh, I've sort of witnessed and experienced um, Buddhism in America and generally meditation, Eastern techniques in America, sort of. The ups and downs of it firsthand, and I, uh, I guess the the comment that I have is that, uh, you know, this the psychotherapeutic methods that have evolved in the West over the last hundred years um, are a really good tonic and balance for most any any meditation practice, and, and I. To put it to put it another way, I really it, it seems to me that there are things that meditation practices that you know most of the ones that I maybe all of the ones that I I worked with there are certain kinds of content of one's life that it, that, that just don't get reached um, and. I, I, that's just a, 
that's an observation, and I would I would like your your own feedback and thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. Well, my experience is a little bit different. That you know, I, of course, so much depends on how you meditate, the, the kind of practice you do, and how you do it. But my experience has been that if you meditate and it comes uh, it comes from the perspective that that uh, part of the purpose of meditating is coming to uh, understand your own mind. And then if you if you allow your mind to do what it's inclined to do as you enter the deeper stages of meditation, uh, in my experience, you're going to uncover just about every little thing that, uh, and, and every dark hidden recess of your mind uh, that is of any particular significance that, that we do come into open. And that as the meditation practice develops, you're in uh, an ideal condition to be able to, uh, well, to to deal with these things as they come up. As the mind becomes calm, quiet, peaceful, those things that are buried in in the deeper layers of our psyche and that we're not usually consciously aware of, although they tend to influence so much of our behavior and our experience, and they're there and they're active, but we're not aware of them. When the mind becomes calm enough, they come, they come up to the surface and they begin to manifest in clearly recognizable ways. But when they do, the meditator will have a lot of equanimity, have learned a lot of other things in the process of their training as they've gone along, so that they can now... Uh, confront these things, see them for what they are, uh, and uh, accept them and let them go. And so, uh, in my experience, meditation in some ways is a uh, even more effective way of accomplishing what a lot of psychotherapy tries to do. A lot of psychotherapy is is trying to somehow make us aware of what are what are the uh, the hidden aspects of our, our mental makeup that are that are getting in the way of our, uh, our of our happiness and our relationships with other people and our success in life and, and coming to understand those and, and and learning to resolve those and let those go. My experience is meditation does this wonderfully, wonderfully well. And as a matter of fact. You know, I, I think from the point of view, uh, from a Buddhist point of view, it's not that there are some people with severe mental problems and then there are normal people and, and it's those people with severe mental problems who need to be made normal so that they'll be well. From a Buddhist point of view, everybody's mentally ill without exclusion. There's only just minor differences in the degree in different aspects of their mental illness. So, so Buddhist meditation as psychotherapy treats 
everybody equally. And we're trying to cure everybody of all of their mental disease. But that's been that's been my experience. But I think it depends to a huge extent on the kind of practice, how diligently you do it, and the way you practice. You know, if you sit down to practice and you say, Okay, I'm going to develop single pointed concentration and you just plow right over anything that tries to rise out of your subconscious awareness. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. Right. Well I, I wasn't really thinking of it from the point of view of psychopathology per se, but rather the inclination that all human beings have for suffering generally. Yes. Right. Specifically our propensity to push out what's really ours onto other things and other people. Absolutely, yes. And meditation, unless you have a very sharp teacher, uh, meditation doesn't always make you aware of how you do that. And I just, uh, anyway, that, that's, that's all. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I would agree with that last part. What's happening in North America, you know, meditation has been around in North America for very long. Uh, and it's all its all very new to us. It's being imported from the East. And it seems to me that uh, this 2,500-year-old tradition of Buddhist meditation in the East has undergone a lot of degeneration, and so a lot of its power is lost. So I agree with you totally that very much it depends on whether you put the sharp, a sharp teacher, something like that. I, I, I think that uh, it, it, it has uh, inherently that capacity to, to cure us all of all of our mental illness. Uh, fairly quickly, but that uh, it's become diluted and, and uh, you know, doesn't doesn't always work as well as it could. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're we're past time. Oh. Tell me the question. I might invite you to save it for after the after meditation. No, it kind of had to do with what he was saying about meditation that seemed to address certain things. Has to do with which? Meditation that seeming to address certain things. Oh. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was thinking is that partly it might just be the language. It sounds so intellectual and dry. And it seems very alienating sometimes. The language of it. To me. The language of meditation? Yeah, because I feel like I'm going through all this really extremely difficult, painful stuff, and then there's all this intellectual talk, and it doesn't switch. You know? It doesn't. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Well, I would agree with you. You're right about that. Uh, and my personality tends more to the dry side. Somebody like Jack Cornfield tends more towards the soppy side. I usually like Jack Cornfield. This is not a disparaging remark at all. But, but he has much more emotional sensitivity in his discussion of meditation than, than I do. Um, but we can talk about that more more afterwards. But uh, <coughs> there needs to be more. There needs to be an, an adequate amount of 
uh, emotional sensitivity because uh, meditation does deal uh, sooner or later in one form or another with those deepest and most sensitive parts of uh, our idea of who and what we think we are. So there needs to be a certain amount of sensitivity. On the other hand, it's good to have a, a uh, well-defined, clear, precise, and therefore rather dry terminology so that we don't get lost in the subjective and the emotional side of it. So, so I, th- I think there's a place for both, you know, and so I should learn to be more like Jack Cornfield. <laughs> but. but I guess some of it is too, like, I think there really are differences because I've been dealing with, like, this really intense trauma stuff and PTSD, and I really honestly think that does change your brain and it makes you different. And that's kind of my experience. Meditation instructions don't always fit with my experience, what happens and stuff. And so, in some ways, it seems contrary to like cultural yeah. conditioning to say, "Hey, this happened," <laughs> because you're not supposed to. Like, you're supposed to like. I don't know. Okay. So, it's but I think that it, there's differences that I always end up having to correct for them internally, you know, and that's like really difficult and kind of alienating sometimes. Well, I'd like to talk about this more later on, maybe after we've meditated and had a break. Um, you know, part of us all living in our own reality is we all speak our own language and we don't necessarily mean the same things by those words. So, uh, yeah, that too could be a part and you, you have to learn to, uh, we, we all have to learn to make our own translations of something we read and hear into a form that's meaningful for us personally. we we'll talk about that more later though, okay? So uh, I, I think let's let's meditate now. Uh, I would in, encourage you uh, all to join me in meditating on the sensations of the breath as it enters and leaves the uh, nose. And uh, the essence of the practice is just simply that you try to be continuously aware of it. You don't do anything else. You don't try to stop other thoughts. You just try not to lose the awareness of of those sensations. But uh, unless you've been meditating for quite some time, inevitably you will. And when you do lose that awareness, just simply uh, be happy that you become aware of it and direct your attention back to the breath very gently and just continue to uh, try to stay with those sensations.